All right, welcome to our first podcast. My name is Aaron, and this podcast is going to feature my two sons, Britton and Kaysen. And uh, as father and sons, we talk about all kinds of crazy things. One of our favorite topics to talk about is time travel. So let's begin. All right, so time travel movies. Most of the time, time travel movies kind of lame, kind of suck. We know the plot, but... There's a couple of good hidden gems in there. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, there's a couple of good hidden gems. Like Looper. I don't know. Looper was kind of cool. Was Looper time travel? Yeah, yeah. Looper was time travel because uh, he went to kill himself or to kill his dad, Bruce Willis. Oh. Yeah. I was thinking of Jumper. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not time travel. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I remember Looper now, yeah. He was a time-traveling hitman, and then he went to the future to kill his past. I mean, nah. If we want to talk about time-travel movies and how many paradoxes there are in them, it makes no sense to go back and kill your past self. That's yeah. just a whole layer of just stuff so that doesn't make any sense. Right? Yeah. Because then we get to the grandfather paradox. Right? I think that that's what it's yeah, called, right? It is the grandfather, the, the paradox. grandfather paradox. It doesn't have to involve your grandfather. Correct. Because the grandfather paradox says the past is altered in some way, creating paradox, something like that. Therefore, you cannot go back in time to kill Bam. your past self. Correct. So you can't do something that's contradictory, to change the past. Again, why time travel itself is a paradox. Yes. But... Super fucking cool. Time Cop. Yeah. Oh, that's before your time. One of my favorites, though. Yeah. The ability to travel through time is perfected as a law enforcement agency is formed called the Time... The, the Time... time and the, ti- the Time Enforcement Commission, or the TEC. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the tech. The tech. All right. Enforcing time. <laughs> Time Cop Produced by Dark Horse Entertainment Starring Jean-Claude Van Damme What year is it? 94? 1994 Nice <laughs> Okay Okay One of my favorites of all time though For real Frequency, right? So Frequency Like The plot The plot's amazing Dennis Quaid, he's hey. a alcoholic, former firefighter, you know, his wife was murdered, and so he has this bad connection with his son, him and his son don't get along, and so Frank, I think he died, no, John. He dies of a of lung cancer because he's, you know, smokes two packs a day. His son finds one of his radios and is able to, like, dial back to 1968 and uh, talk to his dad when his dad is still alive. So, it's time travel to a certain extent because 
there's not physical beings actually traveling back in time. It's radio frequencies. Mm-hmm. And so the have you seen this? I thought you saw it with me. I have not seen it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite ones. So the year I came out. Yeah. So he helps his dad solve the crime. Or his dad actually helps him. <clears throat> it's kind of it's kind of confusing to explain, but it's a great movie. Very great movie. All best time travel movies have plots that make no sense. Right? Because it's time too hard to explain. Oh, okay. One of my favorites. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of plot to that. Truly has a lot of, um, like, scientific accuracies to how time travel works. It's one of the smartest movies of our generation, I'd say. (laughs) Yeah. But time machine? Okay. Oh my god, the time machine. Yeah. Okay, now that I can talk about. Yeah. The time machine, both of them are good. So even the original that came out in 1960, oh. like, even though the special effects weren't that great, the plot, the plot was what made the movie. Of course. Yeah. Like, even though, you know, the remake had cool special effects, it was still the plot. Like, the old one still holds up to this day. Like, it's really good. I never get over how scary those creatures were in time travel. Ugh, no. The little darts. <laughs> Alright, so. Can you think of any other time travel movies off the top of your head that. Um, memorable? Planet of the Apes? That counts, right? Is it time travel though? Or is it also dimension? I can't remember. Because remember he goes back in time or back to his time and then it's Ape Abraham Lincoln. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Depending on which one you watched. Well, that's more like a parallel universal time. Oh, tra- but that, that leads into more time travel stuff though. It does. Because again, with the grandfather paradox, if it's not a paradox and you actually are succeeding, you just branch off into a new parallel universe. Okay, cool. Let's transition into the paradoxes because paradoxes are pretty fun. So, a paradox is a contradiction or logical contradiction um, associated with the idea of time travel, right? So, the casual loop paradox. The casual loop paradox occurs when a future event causes an event in the past. which in turn causes a future event when both events are present in space-time. But their origin cannot be determined. Does that make sense? Oh. So that's why it's called a loop, a casual loop. So a casual loop in the event, it can take a person, an object, information, um, and it, that reaction causes the loop to occur over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I don't like that one. That doesn't sound as fun. Then it's Groundhog Day over and over and over again. So we talked about the grandfather paradox. Call it the grandfather paradox, but it doesn't have to be your grandfather. So for the audience, the grandfather paradox is named so because you could theoretically travel back in time 
to kill your grandfather and then your grandfather wouldn't have lived long enough to have your father so therefore you wouldn't be born therefore you can't go back in time to kill your grandfather right thus creating a paradox so the grandfather paradox says that if you're a time traveler you can't do anything that has happened but i'm sorry that you can do anything that has already happened, but you cannot do anything that has not happened. So therefore, you can't go back in time and kill your grandfather. Because it hasn't happened. Because it didn't really happen. So you can't do things that will cause a contradiction to the normal space-time continuum. That one's a cool one. Makes for a great, great movie plot. Okay, so here the, here's this one. The Fermi Paradox, right? So, the Fermi Paradox refers to the apparent contradiction between various evidences. So, the evidences existence, extraterrestrial civilizations, elsewhere in our galaxy, and lack of estimates of probability. Make sense? Not at all. Okay, so the Fermi Paradox says, if you adapt it to time travel, if time travel is possible, where are all the future visitors? Oh. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, the Fermi Paradox really gets into... if Because outer space is so large, the universe is so large, there's other alien civilizations that have lived or are living or have been around for millions of years and so if they have been around for millions of years and they're truly advanced, sh surely they would have came in contact with us by now, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take the Fermi Paradox and apply you it time travel. apply it to time travel. I've actually, I've, I remember this one now because we were talking to Kaysen about it. Basically, the future doesn't exist. Right, exactly. It's only present in the past. Correct. So until we have created that... <laughs> Technology, you can't go back to the past. And again, that would still affect us. Yeah. And so those advanced That's civilizations, a paradox. Those advanced civilizations, if they're millions of years ahead of us, or even ten thousand years ahead of us, they've already created time travel. Assumingly, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we'll move on. That, <laughs> that was a little deep. Okay, Nuke Newcomb's paradox. Okay. Newcomb's paradox is a thought experiment that shows a clear contradiction between the expected utility theory and strategic dominance theory. Cool? Yeah. So thought experimentation, it often promotes the work casual reasoning and free will by allowing the right profits. If the right predictors of the future exist, for example, so if time travel is a mechanism for making correct predictions as present, then the absolute predictions would seem to be independently contradictory because decisions made explicitly for free would already know the true process. You have to give me a second to think about that one. <laughs> yeah. So it's the Newcomb's paradox is the contradiction between what you expect and then the free will of those in the past. So if you traveled back to the past, 
would those fr the free will of the individuals that you oh. talk to and interact with would they still have the same free will to do those things or would they their path and their existence change so theoretically speaking if you were to travel to the bat to the past and you were not interacting with individuals to mess up their activity would their free will and their behavior be consistent the same every time or would they be independently free thinkers in that moment if you're not directly interacting with them i would say it would be the exact same because otherwise they'd be like robots this is doing the same thing over and over and over again it's if you start to think about it then it gets kind of weird because then you could say oh well that it's kind of like god's will or god's plan you already know these animated sims in the past would react this way they'd walk this direction they would say this they would do the same things so are they like a matrix program at that point they're just programmed and they're just acting the same that is only because it's in the past and therefore the that event has already happened. It's not like they don't have free will to change it. It's just that your timeline, you've just gone back to look at it. Because then we can, del we can delve into multiverse theory. It just doesn't make any sense in the, in the sense that it is the past. That event is going to happen to create your present. Yeah, that's a little deep. I'm not sure if I understand it correctly. We'll it's literally the plot to Back to the Future. Two. No, it's the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he changes his dad's... Um... Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Those are my three favorite time travel movies of all time. First of all, I love Michael J. Fox. Cool person. Good human being. Like, And those movies were part of my childhood, so they're near and dear to me. I like all three of them. Oh, 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 how did I almost forget this one? Men in Black 3. Ah. Uh, yeah, where he comes back at the very end, and he... His event changed it, or was... That event had, had his dad die. Yeah. But that alien creature was kind of dumb, where he said, like, whether his dad, there will always be death. Kind of whack. I remember I took you boys to the movie theater to see that. Like, that actually brought a little tear to my eye. But, yeah. Okay, so any good discussion about time travel movies and time travel paradoxes wouldn't be completely fulfilled unless we talked about Nicolas Cage. He's never been in a time travel movie that I know of. It's just the absurdity just matches with Nicolas Cage's absurdity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the absurdity of time travel is like, man, Nicolas Cage should be in time travel movie. I mean, he's very absurd. He does absurd things. But he cracks me up. All right. So some of the crazy things. This is crazy. Like. So, talking about time travel, time travel movies, we can get into weird, crazy things that Nicolas Cage has bought. Right? 
Nicholas Cage, he bought two albino king cobras. Yeah. Why? Uh, Not nice. one. Because it you know, they need to have somebody to hang out with in the cage. So I bought two. It's a terrible idea because King Cobra is gonna kill each other. Right? But Nicholas Cage thought about that. He had anti venom on hand just in case. <laughs> but they are snakes, and King Cobras are constrictors as well, so Yeah. I mean takes away one problem it creates another one he bought a Gulfstream jet that's a celebrity kind of thing yeah okay I don't know how much that would cost but crap load right a Gulfstream jet pygmy shrunken heads okay yeah, that's something Nicolas Cage would do okay according to visitors and guests at Nicolas Cage's house what He's a very erratic person anyways. So, he throws erratic parties. Nicholas Cage has a collection of pygmy shrunken heads for unknown purposes. Yeah. Just a random collection of pygmy shrunken heads. That's not terrifying at all. Yeah, it's not terrifying at all. Dude's just got some voodoo yeah. magic in his house now. Yeah. He's got a movie room. He's got some records on the wall. A couple shrunken heads hanging around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's that over there, Nick? Oh, it's just some just shrunken heads. <laughs> okay, nice. Came across them. Decided to collect them. Where's your Keurig? I want a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is kind of cool. Nicolas Cage owns the very first Superman comic. Is it Action Comics number one? Oh, yeah. Apparently, it's over worth over $1.6 million. And it, oh, it is. It's Action Comics number one, which is the very first appearance of Superman in Detective Comics, which introduced Batman's BFF, Robin. BFF. BFF. Best fucking friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To go along with the pygmy shrunken heads, you have to have a pyramid tombstone, right? Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah, this has got way weirder. You, you have to round out the weirdness. <laughs> Nicholas Cage owns a nine-foot-tall pyramid-shaped tomb in New Orleans. It's emblazoned oh. with the Latin phrase omni ab uno, which translates to everything from one cool okay that's not so weird yeah because New Orleans has those really cool catacombs yeah I mean that's not so weird <laughs> <laughs> no, those are just tiny skulls he has hanging around yeah cool he also owns a 67 million year old Targosaurus skull a Targosaurus right even cooler than this, Leonardo DiCaprio was bidding with Nicolas Cage for this skull. Crazy, right? The Tarbosaurus, right? 
67-million-year-old Tarbosaurus skull. But guess who was trying to bid on this Tarbosaurus skull? Of course, Leo. Of course. Leonardo DiCaprio. So, valued it over $300,000. Get this. It was later found out that the skull's roots trace back to the black market. In other news, there's a black market for dinosaurs parts. If I recall, I believe Nicolas Cage had to give that Nicholas or <laughs> the Nicholas skull had to give <laughs> had to give the Tarbosaurus skull back. To who? I I'm sold not it right back to the black market. <laughs> I think he had to give it back to the country in which it came from, mm. which is you know acquired illegally. Eastern Europe, not be Western Europe. Probably. And if that wasn't weird enough, he also owns an octopus. Who owns an octopus? Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> so he owns an octopus, and octopuses are extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. I can see Nicholas Cage sitting out there by the tank, talking to his octopus. I was about to say, having a conversation, a full conversation <laughs> with an octopus. <laughs> nice. He owns a shark. Yeah. There's shark week every week at the cage house. Yeah. You don't have to wait for shark week. Wait, so he's got an octopus and a shark. In what? Some They're giant Probably aquarium? not in the same tank. So he has two different From tanks two. for. I mean, all right. Yeah. Probably a really, really, really large house. <laughs> what is it? He's a super villain. He's got a shark. Get this. He named the shark Bitey. Oh <laughs> you tell me that's not a super villain thing? That's a super villain thing. Okay. An octopus, a shark, a dinosaur skull, and a crocodile. <laughs> of course. You know, you can't rent out your zoo unless you have a crocodile. Exotic animals. Oh. So he's got three different tanks. I'm pretty sure the crocodile's not a tank. It's probably in a lagoon. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how he has that much space for all those things. Yeah. He's Nicolas Cage. He's done like 112 movies. And two he's of them are good? probably a billionaire. At least. And he owns a private island. But guess who his neighbor is? Just, I don't know. Johnny Depp. Oh man. That's <laughs> terrifying. Two of the weirdest celebrities in Hollywood. Johnny Depp and Nicolas Cage both have private islands adjacent to each other. I mean, I wouldn't mind if those two guys were my neighbors. <laughs> yes, you would. <laughs> it's always lively. You, you want it? <laughs> it's never gonna be boring, right? Until a shark gets out. It's never boring. Okay. A haunted murder mansion. Right? I don't want to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Nick. <laughs> playing the ghost. All right. This. Okay. Everything else. I'm like, okay, cool. That'd be kind of cool to own, but I draw a line at a haunted murder mansion. He bought 
okay, this is not any murder mansion. This is the murder mansion where the serial killer named Madame LaLaurie, which is the basis of Kathy Bates' character in American Horror Story, it's the house where she lived, killed, and tortured slaves, and still stands to this day in New Orleans, and it was purchased by Nicolas Cage. Oh my god. Three and a half million dollars. I've seen that episode. And it's haunted. Okay, so he can't stay there. He can't stay the night. You're telling me that the awe-inspiring power of Nicolas Cage can't ward off any oh, demons? I, you know what? I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I take the statement back. <laughs> the true Ghostbuster. He has a Lamborghini that he bought from the Shah of Iran. A Lamborghini. Doesn't have enough room for his <laughs> his dinosaur skull and his shrunken heads, but yeah. Bought it from the Shah of Iran. Nice. And then afterwards, after he bought it, he said, hey, if you're going to blow a half a million dollars in a luxury car, make sure Shah's blessed it beforehand. Half a million dollars on a car. Jeez. Well, he spent three and a, three and a half million on a haunted house. Oh, wait, you got a point. Okay. Well, that wraps up our podcast. Uh, hope you all enjoyed it. Um, please subscribe and we'll put out more content. Thank you.